Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, We're here today uh, to kick off a uh, new series um, that is going to walk through the uh, kind of like a, we're ca- I'm calling this series Baptist Ecclesiology 101. The word ecclesiology means uh, the doctrine of the church, what the Bible teaches about what the church is, how the church should function, and so on. So here we're going to walk through in this series, um, in a series of episodes, kind of um, thinking through and talking about what do we as, particularly as Baptists, believe about what the church is, how it should function, uh, who's a part of the church, what are the officers, what's our church's relationship as a local, as a particular individual church to other uh, churches, and so on. So that's our goal, um, and this is also going to tie in well with Pastor Tim's upcoming uh, sermon series that, um, as we're recording this, he's going to be doing uh, soon um, through First and Second Timothy and Titus. Uh, a groundbreaking series uh, going through um, the uh, pastoral uh, epistles. Um, and so um, we're going to be then in, in which the, the doctrine of the church is talked about uh, there. So um, I want to open up with a C.S. Lewis quote um, because I really like this quote from uh, the Screwtape Letters uh, where he is talking about, right, this guy who's um, become interested in the Christian faith and he's going to go to the church and uh, if you know the way screw tape letters work, right, it's a demon writing to a junior demon. And uh, so it's from the perspective of uh, the, dar- the forces of darkness. Um, but he says this, one of the great allies at present is the church itself. Do not misunderstand me. I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. That, I confess, is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters uneasy. But fortunately, it is quite invisible to these humans. All your patient sees, the, the, the new Christian, right? All he sees is the half-finished sham Gothic erection on the new building estate. When he goes inside, he sees the local grocer with rather an oily expression on his face, bustling up to offer him one shiny little book containing a liturgy which neither of them understands, and one shabby little book containing corrupt texts of a number of religious lyrics, mostly bad, and in very small print. When he gets to his pew and looks round him, he sees just that selection of his neighbors whom he has hitherto avoided. You want to lean heavily on these neighbors, make his mind flit to and fro between an expression like the body of Christ and the actual faces in the next pew. It matters very little, of course, what kind of people the next pew really contains. You may know one of them to be a great warrior on the enemy's side. No matter, your patient, thanks to our father below, is a fool. Provided that any of those neighbors sing out of tune or have boots that squeak or double chins or odd clothes, the patient will quite easily believe that their religion must be somehow ridiculous. So whenever you come to church, just like this guy might, you come and you come to MNBC or you go to any number of uh, individual churches, uh, you might be unimpressed with what you see right away. 
Um, you might see, like what he points out here, you see lots of odd people, people that you've hitherto avoided. <laughs> with uh, oily faces. Yeah, with oily faces and <laughs> double chins. Double chins. You know what? There have been many great people with double chins. Agreed. Who Name have, five. Uh, Martin Win- Luther, Charles Winston Spurgeon, Churchill. Winston Churchill. <laughs> Three, Babe Ruth, <laughs> John Madden, John Madden. Oh. There we go, John Candy, <laughs> Chris Farley, Chris, Chris Farley. Farley. Yeah, right. yes. Um, that's, so that's the best one. So, so far. anyway, um, that yeah, and and I think this is very helpful because when we come to church and we see these people, we see people in the pews, or we see uh, the building, or we see this or that, we can very easily be unimpressed with what we see with our eyes. And yet, and I think we, we experience that same, that same thing. And the, the actual, the temptation of the church in this world is to eliminate uh, that as much as we can is in, uh, even to the point of going unbiblical uh, to try to make uh, what we can see with our eyes as pleasant as possible, um, even to the point of uh, beginning to compromise uh, the truth. But notice what he says. Uh, I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. So there's the church as we see it, and there's the church as God sees it. And those are two, that's the one church, only one church, but it's from different perspectives, the way we see it compared to the way uh, the Lord sees it, and the way the Lord sees it is the way it actually is. And so today, we want to talk about two different things, kind of, uh, and this is, we're going to talk about the uh, uh, the uh, the church um, today as God sees it and as we see it, um, but particularly, we're going to talk about not particular churches, but the we could call the universal or the Catholic church, the church of all ages, all times, all around the world, um, so to speak. So as a template to guide us through this uh, series on the church, I'm going to use um, one of the most formative uh, confessions, maybe the most formative confession in Baptist history, um, which is the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. It was produced by our Baptist forefathers way back in the 1600s in England, and uh, I want to read the uh, introduction that Charles Spurgeon, in the 1800s, he reprinted this. And uh, because he thought this Baptist confession, which is, what, 32 chapters, I believe, um, it's a really good read, actually, if you're wanting to know a very quick overview of, of uh, like a little handbook of, of belief. It's very helpful. Um, but he said this when he reprinted this uh, Charles Spurgeon reprinted this confession for his own church. He said this, this ancient document is a most excellent epitome of the things most surely believed among us. By the preserving hand of the triune Jehovah, we have been kept faithful to the great points of our glorious gospel, and we feel more resolved perpetually to abide by them. This little volume, this confession, is not issued as an authoritative rule or code of faith whereby ye are to be fettered, but as an assistance to you in controversy, a confirmation in faith, and a means of edification in righteousness. Here the younger members of our church will have a body of divinity and small compass, and by means of the scriptural proofs, that's the proof text, will be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in them. Be not ashamed of your faith. Remember, it is the ancient gospel of martyrs, confessors, reformers, and saints. Above all, it is the truth of God against which the gates of hell cannot prevail. Let your lives adorn your faith. Let your example commend your creed. 
Above all, live in Christ Jesus and walk in him, giving credence to no teaching, but that which is manifestly approved of him and owned by the Holy Spirit. Cleave fast to the word of God, which is here mapped out to you. So we believe this confession is just like Spurgeon did, that in this confession, it's not inspired, but at the same time, the word of God is helpfully mapped out for us. Uh, to understand the basic outlines of what scripture does teach. And so chapter 26 of this confession of faith, which you can find online or you can find numerous copies uh, for print as well as you, if you wanted that, um, it contains the doctrine of the church uh, that these, that our Baptist forefathers thought was so important for uh, their churches um, and ours uh, today to understand what we think the church is and how, uh, how we should think about this as as Baptist Christians. Um, so the first way, the first paragraph opens up with this. It opens up. This is the very first statement under the doctrine of the church. Paragraph one: the Catholic or universal church, which, with respect to the internal work of the Spirit and truth of grace, may be called invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been are or shall be gathered into one under Christ, the head thereof, and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Here it's talking about what we could call the invisible church or the church as God sees it. Uh, Right away, people I think will notice, uh, particularly people from a Baptist background or those maybe from a Catholic background too, will notice the word Catholic used right away. Um, the Catholic or, it says, or universal church. They're showing that for them, Catholic equals universal. They're synonyms. It's very important, I think, right away for people to, to realize that I think we've given up the word Catholic uh, too easily. Um, true. There's a difference between being a Catholic Christian and being a Roman Catholic Christian. Yeah. Roman Catholicism is a distinct religion uh, that submits to the Pope, but I w- we all should want to be small c Catholic Christians mm-hmm. because we all want to believe the one faith delivered once for all to all the saints. Mm-hmm. There's only one gospel. There's only one universal, all-embracing gospel. And that is that whenever we believe that, that puts us into the once-for-all time universal Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, it's helpful for us to be reminded of that and to, to not just give up on that word. Um, even though I know some people will be uncomfortable with the word Catholic. I, I say this, and this is a little snarky, but I'm too Catholic to be Roman Catholic <laughs> because I'm too, I, I embrace, I believe the Protestant faith is the small C Catholic faith, which the Roman Catholic church has denied in its documents, mm-hmm. which is a doctrine, which is a, a, the Catholic doctrine of grace, which we actually believe and they deny. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, um, our Baptist forefathers were also okay with using that word and actually believed uh, it described them. But so it says the Catholic or universal church is invisible. Um, and it, it consists of the whole number of the elect that have been notice in the past are now, or shall be gathered into one. So first of all, um, this church consists of the saints of all ages, not it. I think this is important because there has been some beliefs that the church began at Pentecost, which this statement flatly rejects. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Well, because dispensationalism came as a as a newer 
what's what would you say newer movement or newer yeah, in the 1800s yeah so this is i mean good, good you know a good hundred yeah well more than 100 years before that so, right interesting so who is who are members of this church the invisible church be the saints across, yes. the, across the board. The, right. The Haggai, the set yeah. apart ones. Yeah. yeah. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are a part of this church. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Adam and Eve. Abel mm-hmm. is a part of this church. Noah. David, Noah, Shem. Job. Job. All these guys are part. Remember what Jesus says um, to, uh, was it the centurion? He says, and whatever he, the guy believes, and he says, he tells them, I tell you, many will come from east and west and sit at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So the church is uh, the, the whole number of the elect, those who have been brought into faith, saving faith in Christ, uh, who is described as the head thereof. So this universal church is the spouse of Christ, right? It's the bride that's going to marry, that marries Christ. It's the body of Christ that we read about um, in Ephesians uh, chapter one. This invisible church is the fullness of him uh, that fills all in all. So this is the church as God sees it, but we don't see it this way, do we? With our eyes here. No, we we can't. Right. Um. It embraces, this is fascinating because and whenever you come to your local church, you're actually a part of, you're actually participating in this. Mm. Even if you can't see it, mm-hmm. you're sitting at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. What is that sound? No idea. I don't know. You just heard it's a weird sound. Like a you doing something on your phone again, Tim? Yeah, it's him. It's like feedback it's almost. Like, <laughs> I so it was the fire alarm. It was, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, could have been that. Could have been that. Um, I'll just keep going. Keep going. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> there's no sprinklers in here. It's okay. <laughs> no, there's not. No, there's not. Right, right, not here. We'll, we'll go down with the ship. We're surrounded by cardboard um, boxes. That's kind of what the captain and pastor should do, right? Pastor should go down with the church. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, like uh, Captain Smith with Titanic. That's right. Yeah, he went we're, down with that puppy. Iceberg right ahead. Um. So, the, in Australia, yeah, it was well, an Australian he, guy he in, the, for, in the crow's nest. Yeah, he was going for a British accent. <laughs> so we'll give it. We'll give him some credit. Right ahead, <laughs> crikey! What a what a, what a sailor! What, what, yeah. what a beauty! Look at this, Geico. The um. So there, there's this invisible church that only God sees, right? But whenever you're coming to church, whenever you're gathering with the saints, and as a believer, you're participating in this this uh, body, uh, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And this, this church has never actually yet been, f- like, assembled in one place yet, though. Um, it will be mm. in heaven one day. Um, whenever this church is fully assembled at the final meeting place in the new heavens and the new earth. But this church never actually gets to uh, meet within the same space um, uh, here. Um, yeah, I think A.A. Uh, Hodge, um, who was a theologian. How many uh, A's are in that? A.A. What was his... His father was Charles. So what was his name? Was Alexander Al- Archibald, I believe. Oh, okay. I was thinking or Albert. Archibald Alexander, I think, probably. Something like that. Pretty sweet name. Hodge. Yeah. Archibald. Um, so he said this about the, the church. He says, now I take the true distinction to be the church as we see it, the normal church, and the church as God sees it. 
In respect to this matter, our vision is limited in the way of discrimination. You and I cannot discriminate in regard to the church. We have to take presumptions. We have to take the outward indications when we, see, when we make an examination. God's eye is absolutely discriminating. Looking down, he sees the line of demarcation which separates the church and the world. His vision is sharp and keen. Then again, our view is not very comprehensive. We see what we call the church and we conclude that it is the church. I have often thought of this as an illustration. I ask a man, have you seen the planet, the earth? He would say, yes, I live on it. That is one of the reasons you never saw it. You never saw the planet earth as you see the planet Jupiter. You never saw the planet earth as you see its satellite, the moon. It is absolutely impossible. You are too near it. You see but one little segment of it. Nothing but a fraction, a very little at a time. You must get away from the object in order to take it in as a whole, and you must have, have, have the advantage of perspective. So, in regard to the church, it is so vast, it has been gathering through the ages, through the centuries, through the millenniums. Its members come from the ends of the earth, in myriads, ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands beyond the calculations of angels, have been gathering there in white robes around the throne of Christ. Can you see it? We are too purblind, too earthly in our conditions, but we may see a part of it. What is called the invisible church is the most conspicuous object in the universe. It has come to shine, to be like the sun and like an army with banners. What is called the invisible church is the only church that exists. Mm. I think that's very helpful um, to realize that whenever you come to the church and when you become part of the church, this is the beginning point. Um, this this uh, spiritual reality. Um, and our local churches are simply uh, manifestations that we are able to see of this one church. So every local church, while, uh, while there are particular manifestations, there are particular gatherings, but they're simply examples and samples of this one church true gathering uh, that is ultimately going to be perfectly seen um, in the new heavens and the new earth uh, whenever Christ returns. But um, this is the church as, as God sees it, um, which, is, which is important. I think it's interesting. Why do you think they started with the church as God sees it and not the way that we see it in this paragraph one? Tim? Because as we've been talking about, our way is flawed. Yeah. God's is not. And how God sees it is in perfection. Mm-hmm. He sees mm-hmm. it as his His, uh, His church, right, that he has saved by his grace. And so he sees it for all it is, for what it can accomplish, for what he purposed it and planned it for, and that it is doing that. Mm-hmm. And we just don't do that. And so that's the place to start is how God sees it, since that's where we should start with everything anyways. As we right. try to view our life, who we are, who others are, we need to view it through the lens of sure. God's word. And that's what they're doing. And later on, we'll get to this the next week, this church will never fail. Right. Mm. Local churches will fail. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to say that that church was perfect. Yes, this church is. But I know I'm a part of that. Right. And I'm not perfect. Mm. So, but, but in a sense, that church is indestructible indestructible mm-hmm. and perfect right. the right. local gatherings it's kind of like this jesus in revelation walks amongst the lampstands the churches and some of those churches he says i'll take away your lampstand mm-hmm. and that's what happens to some churches they they lose um the gospel and so they cease to be a congregation of christ 
Uh, but that does not mean that the body of Christ has ceased to exist. And there's going to be times in church history, there have been times at all ages in the Old Testament, I mean, think about in the Old Testament with Elijah, and this is kind of getting into next week, but um, Elijah uh, says, uh, you know, there's only 7,000 men. We find out, right, he says, I'm the only prophet left. And they said, well, there's 7,000 men who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. So the church in Israel at the time was very small. The group of believers was very tiny, but, and, and you couldn't almost, it was almost imperceptible. You couldn't even really see it. But God kept it true, and it was that church is indestructible. Um, and that's so important also for us to be focused on is, is when we come to church, we're coming to a, a spiritual reality um, that, in, in a sense, when we come to the congregation of, of the saints, there's a reason why we say, I believe in the church, too, because I don't get to see it with my eyes completely yet. Mm-hmm. There's a large extent to where what's happening here and who we are, I'm still taking on faith. Mm-hmm because I can't, I can't see it yet mm-hmm. uh, perfectly done. It's amazing to think how, you know, God is infinite, so he's not limited by time and space and, you know, the, the natural law of physics, whereas we are. And so he sees the church in that perfection throughout right. all ages and all generations and generations yes. to come. Right. Like what you said about, you know, we are together with Abraham and Isaac, yeah. you know, and, and Moses, you know, even though we don't see it, and it's not, we're in this, we're trapped by time and space. Sure. We're finite, we're limited, but he is not. And so he sees it in its perfection, which mm-hmm. is really pretty powerful. Yeah. yeah. I was going to bring up too, I think a, a reason maybe they started with this. I mean, I wasn't alive then. I don't know what they were thinking, thinking, but I know this was also at a time when it needed to be clarified that the church is primarily a spiritual yes. thing. Yeah. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a, something that has to do with your nationality or the government which was a big deal uh, back then. Yeah. And you being part of the church was really something about being a citizen of that country. And maybe what they're just trying to mark off at the very beginning is that this doesn't have anything to do with your nationality or your heritage. It, it's primarily a spiritual reality yeah. about your life. And it's possible for the church as we see it to fail, which is, <laughs> right, according to the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope is infallible. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so, whereas our Protestant forefathers were saying, no, the church is primarily a spiritual thing that we can't see yet. And we need to be governed by the word of God. And so the institution may fail in this world. Um, it may, it won't so totally cease. Um, uh, and so I think it's a very important thing that not only the Baptists, uh, but other churches, you know, our Protestant forefathers in general, I think, thought that, no, we need to emphasize the invisibility of the church. And it's it's fascinating. This also highlights, too, that no one denomination can claim to be the church because um, where the invisible church is, there um, the church is. So, for instance, um, you, know, you know, Presbyterians and Methodists, insofar as they preach the gospel of Christ, that's a true church. It may be impure, according to us, because of uh, we have convictions about certain uh, doctrines, uh, but the church is there. It's not restricted to just the Baptists or the, the Church of Christ or whatever. It's, it's found wherever those are who gather under Christ the head um, and who believe in his name and who trust in his grace. But we do see the church in this world. 
And um, the second paragraph, it says, so the first thing is the church as God sees it, but there's the church as we get to see it and how we judge. So how do I judge whether or not somebody is a Christian? And this is, this is a helpful paragraph number two, which says all persons throughout the world, so all around the globe, professing the same the faith of the gospel and obedience unto God by Christ un, according unto it not destroying their own profession by any errors averting the foundation or unholiness of conversation are and may be called visible saints and of such ought all particular congregations to be constituted so it's talking here about the church as we see it or visible saints visible Christians the people that are part of this invisible unit become visible in this way, it says. First of all, they do it by professing the faith of the gospel. They say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I'm trusting in the gospel of Christ. And then secondly, they also obey his commands, and their lives don't are not so, uh, they all, all of us have sin in our lives, but they don't have, um, they don't, they're not embracing heresy or living, um, a, a life of egregious sin that would contradict that profession. So every person in the world who professes the gospel truth, truly uh, trusting in Christ alone for your salvation and what he's done for us. Yeah. And you're seeking to live a life of holiness. Uh, according to the Lord, you're not perfect. Um, and your profession isn't, you're not embracing some heretical doctrine like denying the Trinity or, um, you know, you're not saying, you know, um, I can, uh, you know, I can be a, I can embrace a homosexual lifestyle. Um, those would be things that from our perspective, we would have to say, I can't count you as a visible saint. In other words, I can't judge you to be a Christian, uh, because you have to, you need to profess the faith of the gospel and live a life that's in accordance with the gospel and doesn't so egregiously or radically or crazily, um, contradict that profession yeah good adverbs there what it's a good adverbs there yeah <laughs> thank you crazily that's a that's a pretty cool Sorry. adverb yeah. that's good thank you dave yeah welcome scott you were gonna say something i was just say you 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 said can't consider that person a christian this year the statement actually says can't consider them part of this church yeah right? yeah well because uh, all yeah. all particular congregations be constituted yes and so there's almost what they're bringing is like an equivalency almost of yes. since the church is made up of people of who this is true. Yes. If it's not true of you, you can't be part of this right. people. Right. 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 And that's, mm-hmm. that's what they say. That's what it gets down to. Yeah. So this is how we judge what a visible, I like the term visible saint, uh, a saint as we can see it because it's giving charity to say there are people that are Christians that, you know, we, we can't judge, you know, we don't know there, there, there's the possibility that our site is fallible. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what is built into this system, uh, or to this, this idea. Um, but yeah. And it says of all these kinds of people ought to be the kinds of people that make up the church, particular individual congregations. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're not a Christian, according to this perspective, if you're not a visible saint, you should not be in the church. Um, so that's how we have to judge um, what a Christian is. Is this is this controversial? You think today? Slightly, slightly, <laughs> yeah. slightly. Yeah. No, I'm, and because that's hard, right? Because yeah. what you just said, you 
you want to think about that with with grace yeah with people mm-hmm. because we have to recognize nobody is perfect no right and so at what point you know like do you want to say that to a person yeah it's like i don't know if you're a believer or not right you know uh because of sin that's in their life i mean that, that's a hard thing to think through it's a hard conversation to have and yeah it's mm-hmm. super the idea of excluding somebody from something right is very controversial and it's it's important to say this they're not saying just for any sin in your life it says not destroying their own profession by any errors averting the foundation so they have to be really striking at the very core of christianity like someone says you know um i you know i believe in jesus but he's not the son of god right that strikes at the core of the gospel. You don't actually believe the gospel message mm-hmm. or uh, someone who says, you know, I, I, I believe God is a, is a, the father who became the son, who became the spirit. Well, we say that that strikes at the core of what it means. Now we can instruct that person and say, this is actually what the Bible says about who God is. And they might, then hopefully they would change their mind and say, Oh, okay. I understand that better. You're right. That is what the Bible says according about the Trinity. Yeah. But if they persist in known and this is very this is very important. If they persist in known heresy or known sin, it's one thing to persist in something that you're unaware is wrong or unaware is a is a, a wrong teaching. It's another thing to persist in something that is that you're willfully continuing in it when can, when 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 it's been addressed to you uh, by by a, a Christian or somebody else. Yeah. Scott, Dave, help, help me out, guys. No, I'm trying. I mean, yeah, so like that's, <laughs> you're right. So you're, I feel I mean, like I feel. Never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. No, I like so that's you're addressing. I mean, you've studied this more than I have. So, not destroying their own profession by any errors, averting the foundation. Then it says, or unholiness of conversation. Yeah, yeah. So it's just referencing the same thing. There, I think that's describing that, that's describing their unholiness of conversation. That that's the old use of the word conversation would be their lifestyle. Oh. I think would be their 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 manner of life because mm-hmm. it's kind of like when John says in First John that if we that we ought to walk in the same way that he walked. If we say we have life and we are in the light, we ought to walk in the light. So that's where I threw out the, the today's modern day one would be, for instance, um, uh, embracing a homosexual lifestyle yeah. because that's not that's like a clear example. That's a, and I mean, that's just, that's low hanging fruit. Yeah. And, 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 but I, I guess what I'm saying is that's an obvious example where the Bible is super clear about this, that you cannot embrace the gospel. And to do that would be then to deny obedience to Christ. Yeah. Because you're, you know, um, and there's a, a many number of instances where, you know, we could, we could probably bring this up. Um, um, but this is, this is, I think an important place to begin. I do think it's, a, it's interesting. This is interesting kind of a nerdy thing, but you notice that that whenever I put this as the church as we see it, but it's fascinating. They did not call this the universal church in our Baptist forefathers did not say, they say these may be called visible saints. Mm-hmm. They were well, wanting to the be Puritan term, right? I mean, the Puritans yeah. would use that term. Yeah. Right? The congregation. So yeah. yeah and that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a, for people who don't know, right. Yeah. Are this, this is in many ways taken from, uh, the Congregationalists yeah. mm-hmm. who uh, believed with the Baptists that churches should be uh, 
congregationally run mm-hmm. uh, particular congregations, uh, but there was there was differences obviously. But yeah, yeah. they stole mm-hmm. this. But uh, we we as we do as Baptists, we kind of steal things and make them better. We're kind of like America, yeah. right? We take the taco <laughs> and we improve. Well, it. historically, what happens is we steal things, we make it better, and then we never write about it, <laughs> and so nobody ever knows. <laughs> it's American made. Yeah, people don't realize that the treasure that we have in this confession. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. But but I think it's fascinating. They don't call it the visible church, and that was specifically done so mm. because they did never want they never wanted anybody to think um, we're distinct as Baptists and, and as our Congregationalist brothers were in the past too. Is we had such a primacy placed upon the actual getting together of the local church that. Um, we didn't want churches to be lorded over by other churches. Mm. And so I think, is it, is it John Dagg who says the, uh, the universal church is the church that will be gathered at the last day um, in the new heavens and the new earth. And then this church, the, our individual churches are simply foretastes. They're manifestations of the imperfect things that we get to see of that final great gathering day, mm. the last day. Um, but that's, that's done for a reason here also um, in in paragraph uh, number two. Um, and so they say, this is what all particular congregations, individual, by that they mean individual local churches like MMBC, should be made up of people like, like this. Mm. Um, and so this is important because this is the foundation stones upon which we have to build our doctrine of the church as Baptist. We'll get to more things where, uh, and maybe people who are listening to this are thinking, well, this isn't really distinct of a Baptist uh, when they think about what a Baptist church should be doing or whatever, but it actually is these already. Are, yeah. These are very key foundation stones upon which the future is going to be built off of as we talk, go through this. Yeah. Um, Scott, did you have anything? You said these things are already got key. Well, I mean, key. I was just, I checked just out of curiosity because the, the background, you might've already said this of the, the confession of 1689 is actually borrowed from a lot of it from the Westminster confession Mm -hmm. of faith, which is Presbyterian uh, in theology. And I just wanted to compare the two, like yeah, of, go of for this it. statement. Well, I don't have it up in front of oh, me. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to know, like, the first statement's almost identical. Yeah, that would be yeah. the same. But then the second statement's not there. Correct. It, in the Westminster. Yes. And that's because uh, they don't they don't have the same understanding of who the church is composed of. Correct. Right. Uh, I don't want to do them. It would be. I want to do them justice. Sure. I'm not fully versed in Presbyterian the, the, theology, but. So. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you I was probably gonna, explain I, it. Well, better. no, I know. For so for us to be a member of a, a a particular church, to be a what we would say is a visible saint, is a person like this who professes the faith of the gospel and evidences and it, evidences it, mm-hmm. and your life is not denying it. Yeah, yeah. and that's not the case. And the key thing is the key thing in that too. By the way, those are visible saints. It is possible in a miraculous sense, for instance, um, for a young child to be a saint but we just can't see it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Invisible because we still have a place for the invisible church for them to be saved. It's just, it's not visibly manifested yet. So I think that's an important caveat for uh, certain people to hear, but, but the way that the, the Presbyterian doctrine would be that the, the churches and the universal church is made up of believers and their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's automatically a, an inclusion of the children of believers. Like but, Noah was saved in the, from the, in the, from the flood as 
with along with his yes. family. They would use that. Yes, and, example, and the Genesis uh, seventeen yeah. would be the big the covenant. The big with covenant with Abraham. Yeah. Abraham Peter's was, sermon Pentecost. Yes. There's any Promises number for you and your family and yeah, yeah. your you and your children and, and for all who are far off. Yeah. yeah, so that would be their their argument. They're not trying to pull this out of thin air. Mm-hmm. I do want to give them credit. They're trying to argue from the Bible. We just disagree with mm-hmm. yeah. the biblical argument they're making. Right. Yeah. So it's I was I was just saying that there's already distinctions here that are very Baptist yeah. or not mm-hmm. necessarily Baptist but congregationalist yeah, yeah. in nature as yeah. well. Um, but there's also like what you I just want to emphasize what you said. These things are foundational. Like anybody listening to this that wants yeah. to listen to this whole series should really pay attention yeah. to these first few things because this has some really big implications yes. for how does the church function? Who is in the church? Yeah. You know, how do we do this together? Right. What are the you know, what are the implications of this is what should make up of a particular congregation? It's gonna have a big purpose, you know, yes. uh, in it in the mm-hmm. future. And uh, if you don't agree with this, if you don't understand this, certain things that the church is called to do are not going to make sense and are going to seem very unkind. Right. 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 But the reason that so much of what we believe about the church and how the church functions is because of these two things. Well, also, too, right away, and, we'll, and this kind of then gets into the following weeks, but you'll notice in paragraph two, it says they're called visible saints because... Just because there's all these, there, let's say, for instance, there's a bunch of believers around Monroe, but if they get together, at, if uh, just because there's a bunch of believers together at Panera Bread doesn't mean that that's a particular congregation. Mm. It's not a church. That may be a, a gathering of a, of, a, of a group of visible saints, but that does not automatically equal gathering of a particular church, which is very important because... Uh, as our Baptist forefathers thought, a particular church is formed in a very along very particular principles, um, where they would say, first we give ourselves to the Lord, and then we give ourselves to each other, and that's an intentional act whereby they that's where the idea of covenanting our Baptist covenants, we co- we've because God has put us in His covenant of salvation with Christ, we now enter into covenants in this world with each other as spiritual as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that's what brings together the church, uh, the giving of ourselves to God and to one another. Um, and that's, that's part and parcel of what it means to be a Baptist uh, historically, at least, um, in the way we, we understood, um, our church life, uh, together. So, Okay, well, listen, I won't belabor this anymore, uh, but I think this is going to be a really fun series. I'm excited about it. Um, I really, and also I would really encourage anybody out there who's interested, um, uh, you know, check out the, the 1689 Confession and read through these paragraphs. It's, it's chapter 26. You can sit down and read it in 20 minutes. Um, and, and some of the language might be uh, challenging uh, to you, but, but still, I think you'll find it helpful. Um, to kind of just get a uh, a big overview of where we're going, and um, I think this this confession is is honestly this is a this is the best distillation of Baptist theology I know of um, is found in this 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 confession um, that they they put together. So anyway, uh, thanks guys for joining us, and uh, I'm looking forward to being with you. Take care. God bless.